BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Media. Greetings, podcast enthusiasts. It's me, James, a man who has uh, commenced his one-man war against Qatar Airlines, who uh, detained me against my will for most of the last two days in a very mm-hmm. small part yeah. of a very big plane. See, there's a, there's a, you know... Airlines from Middle Eastern countries are are usually like the best airlines are like Royal Jordanian and and Air Emirates. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's owned by a, a king, it's usually a safe bet. Um, but but Qatar Airways that's what like, they say about England breaks that mold proudly breaks that mold. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Fuck me. Uh, one of the one of the less pleasant experiences available to a human being that doesn't end in death is a thirty six hour trip. Uh, from Kurdistan yeah. to uh, Southern no. California, which uh, see, I have I, just enjoyed. I always enjoyed those trips back from Air Emirates because when you're on the Air Emirates flight, if you ask the uh, the the steward or whatever mm-hmm. to uh, yeah. to to if if you if you tell him, hey, I would like eight shots of vodka and four glasses of orange juice, he'll just give it to you. Like, not even a question. Not even a question. And so, have I vomited on a couple of Air Emirates flights? Yes. Is it always a good time? Probably. You you don't remember. No, no, no. Yeah, see, I was at the point of frustration where, like, and I'm, I'm, as an English man, uh, if, if I become frustrated and drunk, then my instinct is to fight everyone. 
uh, or throw bottles, and I thought that that would probably mm-hmm. result in, in mm. uh, further detention. So decided yeah. against decided against becoming bladdered, uh, or I could have st- started singing. I guess that's the other option available to me uh, that sure. f- fits my culture. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're not here to talk about uh, things that I like to do in my free time uh, as much as I would like love that, but we are here to talk about uh, things that I have been seeing in my work time when I was traveling uh, to Kurdistan last couple of weeks. Um, Kurdistan, for people who are not familiar, is, is a big area, uh, the area where Kurdish people live, uh, and it, it spans several countries. The areas I went were in Iraq and in Syria, or in it's not really in, I guess, Syrian regime territory, but it's, if you look on the map. Yeah, northeast Syria, known as Rojava. The other two parts yes. that are generally considered part of Kurdistan are a chunk, a big chunk of southern Iran and also a big chunk of southern Turkey. Yeah. Um, so Rojava just means west. Uh, I think Rojalat is east, eastern Kurdistan. Um, so, yeah, I've spent the last several, uh, last week and change in that area. And while I was there, the Turkish state began a massive drone bombing campaign, uh, which is what we are gathered here today to discuss. So for people who are not familiar, uh, it's four years almost to this drone bombing campaign started almost four years to the day since Turkey's invasion of what they call the M4 Strip. Uh, So that's uh, the area around Sarakania and Tel Abiyad. We've talked about that before on the podcast, so if you want to know more about that, uh, you can go back and listen to it. Um, it's it's the area along the border, uh, one of the areas along the border be- between Turkey and, and Syria. Um, and as as people will know, uh, Syria is a country that has had a long and terrible civil war, um, which they've heard about in lots of episodes, right? Um, we're not talking about that today so much as we're talking about the Turkish state's use of drones to bomb what people generally in this country will know is Rojava, right? So just to give some statistics off the top, um, this is the fourth year in a row of aggression at this time of year, right? Um, So there have been two land attacks, um, I think Operation Olive Branch and Operation, there's one called Peace Spring. uh, And then two years, the last two years, there have been drone strikes at this time of year. Where at this time of year... It seems very hard not to conclude that these are attempts to destroy civilian infrastructure and make it very hard for people in the cold months of the year. So right now, around 2 million people in northeast Syria are going to be without power and without water. And I experienced some of that when I was there. And the places I stayed were runoff generators. And so you'd have like intermittent power, you'd have power for a bit, and then they'd put some petrol in the generator and the power will go down or the generator would... Uh, have a little tantrum and the power would go down. Um, but generally, I, I had a lot better access to power than some people had and a lot better access to water. Um, so as I was traveling around, I noticed some people didn't have access to, to like running water, right? They can't turn on the tap and get water. Obviously, that's a massive problem. It's something, I think, like as people are listening to this, uh, Israel is also bombing the shit out of uh, Gaza, um, the whole of uh, the Gaza Strip, right? And um, the US recently intervened to ensure that people there have access to water. And they have done very little in the case of protecting people in North and East Syria, right? So across this drone campaign, 48 people have died. And in 
the worst, or I guess the highest casualty producing strike was one uh, that happened while I was there. 29 Asaish. Uh, Asaish are like internal security forces. Sometimes you'll see it translated as police, but I don't think that's quite accurate. Like that they don't do cop shit. Like, like they're not there to, uh, you know, like, like arrest you for parking in the wrong place or and then do the things that cops do. Uh, they're there largely as like internal security due to the, the various... Uh, non-state armed groups that are in the area and state armed groups, I guess, that are, that are operating in the area that would make things dangerous for people living there. Mm. So these particular assays were anti-narcotics assays. And again, why I'm grounding this in what they do is because they're not the people who like uh, send you to jail for the rest of your life for, for like having a, an ounce of weed. They're the people whose job it is to prevent the trading captagon. Uh, will people know? Do people know what captagon is? Absolutely not. Yeah, it's Absolutely. uh, it's it's uh, yeah. it's one of the drug. I mean, it's the when you when you hear about drug interdiction forces yeah. like like police in Rojava, they're going after Captagon. It's um yeah. a big chunk of both what kept ISIS. It's uh, it's the it's the pervitin, you know, the the meth yeah. that Nazis took that I, for ISIS, right? Yeah. And it was also a big chunk of how they got their funding was was moving. Yeah. And the Assad regime also gets a piece of a lot of the the Captagon trade. Mm-hmm. It continues to fund these like, largely these like Islamist insurgent groups right in the area because it's small and it's high value. Uh, and like Robert says, to give it to their fighters. Uh, it's, this is very common like around the world. Uh, we we discuss this in Myanmar too, right? That the, the military there take um, something else called yaba, but uh, these these kind of meth derivatives are very common, and they're very commonly sold. That's how a lot of these non-state armed groups get money to buy stuff, right? So when we're talking about uh, drug interdiction, it's not done in a vacuum. It's not done because like uh, they think that necessarily that drugs are bad uh, or that you know there's some kind of moral failure that comes from the use of these substances it's because it allows funding for groups that are trying to kill people uh on the ground so like interdicting the drugs is part of an anti-terrorism operation that allows people to live safely which is what they deserve after 10 plus years of war in that area um, so 29 people is a lot of people, right? 29 anti-narcotics as I issues is a lot of the people who do that job. It's going to make it significantly harder for them to continue doing that job, which means it's going to make it significantly easier for those armed groups to get funding, right? It's also, so while I was there, there was a massive funeral for these people, right? Every town, every like settlement across um, Rojava has lost somebody in that strike, right? So in Kamishlo, in in Kobani, uh, in Alhasaka, like all these places had big funerals because, you know, three or four or 10 people came from that town. Uh, and like, that's, I saw a little girl like uh, going to her dad's funeral, right? Like a little girl holding a picture of her dad and it, it's pretty fucked up. Like it's hard for that not to affect you. Uh, especially as like, these people weren't fighting anyone. They weren't attacking anyone right they were just uh, they were taking a training they were taking an anti-narcotics training at night and uh, 60 of them were gathered in this building 29 were killed 28 were injured and it's in the sort of furthest northeast um part of north and east syria around a town called derrick um which is on the border there al-malakai yeah derrick yeah probably my pronunciation is ass um al-malakai it might say on the map if if you're looking on Google Maps, you're trying to work out where this is. Um, lots of these places, the reason they will have two names is Kurdish and Arabic, right? And so like under the previous Assad regime, uh, like Arabic was the sort of language that people were enforced to speak and use. Uh, and now under the self-administration, people tend to use Kurdish and they tend to use um, 
a Latin script as opposed to an Arabic script, right? Um, so that's why you'll see two names very often if you're looking on a map. Um, but like 29 is is only, you know, that's, there's 19 other people, uh, mostly civilians, right, uh, who were killed. And 2 million people are now living without power, without water, um, and, and without these basic services, which in turn will result in more death, right? Uh, more people will die because they don't have access to those things which are life-sustaining, right? Old people, young people, sick people. Uh, those things are, are the very basics of sustaining human life. And so without them, things are going to get a lot harder. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like where these drone strikes happened because uh, largely aside from the the one on the Asaish, they weren't at like large groups of people or buildings. Um, instead, they were like deliberately targeting infrastructure. Um, so of the ones that I saw and the ones I read about, um, they targeted like an electricity substation in one case. Uh, they targeted a lot of water facilities, right? Like like water pumping stations, etc., cetera, um, that allow people to get water. A cooking gas plant, um, which it's pretty obvious what that does, right? It allows people to get bottles of gas to cook their food. Um, and uh, a lot of oil infrastructure. So I saw a, a few of those, um, I think they're called like uh, donkeys. You know, the things that go up and yeah. down. Yeah. Am yeah. I using the right word? Or, I, yeah, I don't know don the word, but the little crane things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, like the the things you can see if you drive through Bakersfield. I'm sure there's a name. Yeah. Are they oil derricks? Yeah. Uh, someone someone Google the name of the, the nodding dog. That a extracts. pump jack. Is that no? no yeah. No, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's the first thing that came up. It sounds like a, like mm -hmm. a dude who goes to the gym a lot. Yeah, bro, I'm pump jacked. I mean, it does. It is called the uh, an oil donkey as well. So you weren't okay. wrong. Yeah. Nodding donkey pumps. Yeah, that's what I thought they were. Nodding donkeys. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's a phrase we're going with. Um, so you could see a lot of these that were like knocked over on their side, right? That had been drone struck. Um, and then you could see others that were just knocked out because the power to them had been knocked out. So obviously that's not only a major revenue source, but also like that is how people in the region get fuel, right? Mm -hmm. So like it, it's going to be harder for them to get uh, diesel. It's going to be harder for them to drive around. People already um, don't drive around a lot because a lot of the drone strikes on... Uh, people in the Yepige Yepige, so the, the, the people's defense forces and the women's defense forces. Lots of drone strikes have happened when those people are driving their cars, or when they get in a car. So uh, it, it could be quite hairy driving. Um, and, and so like, a lot of people were driving too, like I drove around, uh, but that's just one of the areas of, of risk for people, right? Of the people killed, 35 were Asaish. 11 were civilians and two SEF. So most of these were either internal security or civilians. And I think Robert, you were, Robert and I spoke while, while I was there. And Robert made a good point about how this like enables these uh, non-state armed groups like either ISIS or yeah. um, like HTS. Yeah, that my, my main concern for you while you were there was not that you would get hit in an airstrike, um, but it was that uh, because of the damage done to the security forces as a result of the the Turkish airstrikes, you would uh, it would it would there's there's always been ISIS cells there, right? They're, yes. they're, they're they've never gotten rid of all of them. And periods where the AANES self administration is under attack are the periods in which it's most dangerous because 
it provides there's less security forces you know watching everything people in general are are out less which provides cover for for some of these groups that may want to do like a kidnapping yeah 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 and uh it's not a place where there are a lot of uh i guess folks who look like me um so that that was a concern for us and like it's a concern for these people too right they they still sure. do car bombs in derizor uh not you know that they think still kill civilians yeah they they roll up uh isis people on, on a probably weekly basis um people are interested in getting more information both about the drone strikes and about what they call sleeper cells the rojava information center uh very nice people uh, they have a good website. Uh, it's rojavainformationcenter.org. They produce monthly reports uh, on both things. So that will give more information on those things. Now will be a good time to pivot to adverts. But <laughs> I, I, I've got fuck all that is... Do you, uh, do you know who else provides great services? I don't think we can... I don't reasonably make that claim. The products and services that support this podcast. Mm-hmm. Here they are. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. We're back, and we are discussing drone strikes on northeast Syria. I guess not just from northeast Syria. Like these also happen up around uh, Soleimani. Soleimani, if you're looking on the map, um, depends again on the language, right? Those have happened again against uh, KCK, which is like the Kurdistan Communities Council. So that would be the, I guess the, um, the that. If you look at like Syria, Iran, Turkey, and Iraq as different countries, all of which uh, have 
some administrative control over the nation of Kurdish people, right? Kurdish people live in all four countries and they live in other countries too, of course. Um, then the movements in each of those countries are subsidiary to the KCK. Um, and so uh, some of those KCK folks are up in Soleimani, so like there, there will be drone strikes there. And that's that's far inside Iraqi Kurdistan, right? You're, you're a long way from the border there. Um, and that's that's what these drone strikes... I guess the drone strikes are, allow Turkish intelligence and the Turkish military to target people much, much further inside with, with very little consequence or risk on their end, right? These drones are largely not being targeted because certainly in AANES, the Autonomous Administration in Northeast Syria, they don't have the means to target them, right? The United States hasn't supplied them with the weapons that they would need to shoot down those drones, which I think brings me on to the role of the US in this. Um, and I guess more broadly, uh, the role of the coalition. Uh, in this case, coalition is, is a coalition to defeat ISIS, right? It's made up of dozens of countries, the UK, the US, Germany, uh, lots of other uh Western, I guess, countries broadly, uh, and, and countries in, in that part of the world too. Like I think Iraq is part of it. Um, Certainly, like Iraqi Kurdistan has done their own operations against ISIS sleeper cells, um, Peshmerga, and like everywhere you go, right, you'll go through Peshmerga checkpoints. Like I was going through an area where they had arrested uh, an ISIS member the day before, so like it's they'll be getting you out of the car, you know, going through your bags, looking through your stuff, right? Um, and so th that's all part of the same operation. But the U.S. has a base in a place called Al Hasaka. Which again, you can look up on the map, right? It's a little west. I'm trying to line up my compass here. A little west of Kamishlo, um, which is the capital of the region. And the US, pretty much US troops don't do a great amount of leaving that base. It's fair to say. Uh, they'll, they'll come out in helicopters. They, they were going out like sort of supporting uh, S SDF um, patrols in the Alhaska region, but they were supporting them from the air, right? They They generally aren't going out and about like uh, with people on the ground talking to people unless it's a specific mission which they do sometimes um you can if people are interested in like the u.s presence it's it's called operation inherent resolve and they have a twitter account where they'll sometimes post themselves doing things uh but what they don't do is protect that like and so the u.s and the autonomous administration are allies in this fight against isis right but they are only allies in this fight against ISIS. The US is not supporting them in defending themselves from drone strikes or like ensuring that the civilian population is protected from those attacks. So the US has the capacity to shoot down these drones uh, and they prove that by shooting one down. Uh, last week or the week before, I'm a li little bit jet lagged, so I'm a bit bungled on time, but um, I think it was last week, the US shut down a Turkish drone. So that that'd came be about two weeks ago for when this is airing. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, good point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, two weeks ago, the United States shut down, uh, an F-16 shut down a Turkish drone. Uh, so specifically, it was a, a drone called an Akinji, uh, which is a newer variant of the Bayraktar drone. Uh, we've spoken about these drones before, right? They're the drones that people... Like, I know you can go on Etsy and buy a stuffy version of these drones, which... Right. That's, con that's concerning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's really dystopian and... Crazy. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not like it either. I think it, it 
illustrates the way the war in Ukraine has become like a football match for some people. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or, or like a film where like, I just want to reinforce that like- It's turned into like fandom. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that's an excellent uh, way of putting it, Garrison. Like it, it's not cool when anyone gets fucking drone struck. It, it's not cool when uh, like everyone in an area spends every night worrying if death is going to come from the sky at some point. Right? Like- the effect of these drone strikes isn't just on the people killed or the people in, injured or even the infrastructure. The effect is on every single person uh, worrying what's going to happen tonight, right? Like, and I, I can speak to a tiny part of that experience, right? Nothing compared to what people living there have gone through at all. But it's a concern every time it gets dark, you know, well, it, it's tonight the night, especially for the rural folks who might be living in a rural area, but near to a substation or near to one of those uh, nodding donkeys or other infrastructure which has been targeted or like near a cooking gas plant, right? Those things I can imagine explode with quite some force. Uh, what They can't leave, right? They can't just up and, and not live near any infrastructure. Infrastructure is what allows the place to be survivable for civilians. So they just have to live with this constant fear. Um, and it's very odd to see that and then simultaneously see this this sort of I don't know, deification of drone strikes that are happening in Ukraine and like this, you know, people with dog dressed as Napoleon Twitter avatars, uh, yeah, like cheering someone's kid dying. Yeah, I mean, throughout all of the kind of new conflicts we've had the past five years, like the and and especially the past like two three years, like the idea of like politics as fandom has yeah. produced some of the like most like inhumane gross uh aspects of how people have been like consuming social media and just the sheer it's like people forget that this is like thousands of people's actual like human lives that they're like yes. memeing about and it's it just it just becomes just it, it, they talk about it in the same way they talk about like a marvel movie or yeah. like a star yeah. wars movie. like it's it's, it's yeah. yeah or sports like it's it 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 it's like this weird like gamified it it allows you to to approach these things from a just a from a very separate perspective when you're when you're viewing it from like this fandom angle. I think all but politics as fandom in general, I think, has gotten a whole lot worse since the Trump era. We yes. had you know like that's where we had like resistance libs that were mm -hmm. uh, like uh, copying off some of the stuff from the new Star mm -hmm. Wars trilogy, which is kind of the inspiration for a lot of their stuff. We got Nazis doing a whole bunch of politics as fandom as well. Um, it just create like it's 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 like this team sports um, like fandom thing that is just pervade. It's it, it's 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 seeped into like almost every single aspect of like not just politics, but now like conflict and like geopolitics. Well, yeah. It's like whoever has the best branding is the one that's has the the best chance. Yeah, and it's yeah. I don't know. It's 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 disturbing to watch. I I, I don't know how to like counter counter it because yeah. it feels like the more you engage the further sucked into the abyss you become. Um, but it also doesn't feel good to just like ignore it as well. Like it's, it's just, it's like, it feels like this kind of endless trap that is just a part of existing in this weird postmodern internet world. Yeah, I don't know. I think like one would hope that the internet in some ways could help us see that like at the end of every drone strike is a little fucking child most of the yeah. time. Or like, like I spent some time last week with a family who almost exactly one year ago lost their 15 year old son in a drone strike. And like it, that like, I understand 
people die in these things, like on an intellectual level and even on a personal level, like having spent time in these places, you know, for a decent amount of my adult life. But yeah. fuck me, it's just like it destroyed you. Like seeing a mum bury her son, cry for her little boy, it's fucking heartbreaking. And like, I got to live that for one morning and those people live that every single day um, and every yeah. time. Like, and I don't, I don't know, it makes me want to shout at people when uh, when I see this. I don't actually think it's, I, I don't mean to be a doomer here. I don't think it's a solvable problem. Yeah. Um, this is, we, we are talking about it within the language of fandom because that is mm -hmm. kind of the defining uh, public social relationship of our time. Yeah. But yeah. like, this is always what people have done to war sure, one sure. way or the other, right? Yeah. Um, it's faster now and 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 more commercial, right? Like one thing, for whatever reason, I think just because we're acculturated to it, hearing people talk about, you know, doing what they do in times of war because of patriotism, because of nationalism, because of belief in the founding principles of their country um, seems a little bit less course than like doing it because you fell in with a bunch of memers who use little dog avatars and shit but like yeah. i don't know it's not it's not like less logical than than yeah being right or die because like you happen yeah. to be born under you know so and so the king yeah I fair yeah yeah and like that dehumanization i think the difference like to me is like so, like, Robert and I have both experienced this, right? To, to, in order to kill somebody, you have to dehumanize them. To kill people en masse, you have to do that en masse, right? If you're fighting a war, it doesn't behoove you, you to You think make of, it sound like we're killing people, James. Uh, well, that's the thing that we do on the podcast, Robert. It's, yeah, we it's, kill people in, in mass, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. You're yeah, going to have to... Schooler zone is where we talk about the killings. Uh, yeah. if, if people want to yeah. subscribe, that's what we do yeah. instead of adverts, is we list the people we've killed. Yeah, James, as the as the quote on your Blue Sky account says, one death is a tragedy, one million is a statistic. James <laughs> Stout. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's just, uh, every, every, every day I strive to uh, get my number up, you know? Uh, but, but so far I've let everyone down. That's not true. Uh, and to my knowledge, none of us have killed anyone. But I, To your knowledge. To my knowledge, yeah. Uh, Shireen's probably got some bodies in the uh, in the closet, you know. Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> it's just stacking them. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of 
and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. So what I wanted to say is that like when yeah like if you, if you're in the military you probably know this right like like this sort of blood makes a grass grow shit fine whatever like that's how wars work war is undesirable it's horrible you have to be horrible you have to you have to dehumanize people to kill them you don't have to fucking do that if you're on twitter.com but like people you know people with the silly dog avatars chiefly but other people too have have begun to see themselves as like participants in conflict in a way that they maybe didn't, uh, maybe they did, and I just wasn't around in the second world. Yeah, war, you know? no, but that's, like, I think I think that does tie into part of how the fandom thing yeah. works because a part of participating in fandom is is being in these kind of very very alienating online spaces because any type of like engagement on the internet in this way is is fueled through the process of alienation. But when that kind of starts applying to to politics, you feel like either the act of consuming or or like you know joining in on conversation is itself like a form of activism uh by just like just through like consuming or sharing content you feel like you're actually participating in the thing itself um yeah and i think some of it's this almost narcissistic need to not let the world pass you by because it's there there's something deeply uncomfortable about just like watching massive things happen and realizing like there's nothing i can do about this yeah um yeah. to feel like you but, matter but and there isn't a lot of the time right like your your take you know the the instant a, a hospital gets attacked in gaza um your your take on that is 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 not particularly helpful or necessary yeah. um unless you're I don't know, um, uh, Joe Biden. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, which is not I don't think his take was helpful, but right. It was like it had an impact because he's the president. But like most of us, yeah. we're just kind of part of the churn. And there's almost there's like a degree of emotional need to it, especially when you see this horrible footage of bodies piled high. Right. You feel like I'm a bad person if I don't do something. And the only thing I can do is tweet. Um, or whatever uh, yeah. your social well, media like, jure is. I feel like, the- I just, just to play devil's advocate for a hot yeah. sec, I think it's a little different when there's so much uh, conflicting information, especially, I mean, like the Gaza thing is a great example because uh, the electricity's out. They don't want them to, yeah. to share anything. So I think when it comes to stuff something like that, it's more about like spreading awareness versus like having a take, in my opinion. It's more just like, hey, the news might say this, but this is from the actual person on the ground telling you what's happening. So I think there's a little bit of uh, nuance because I also think the only reason that, like like just for Palestine, for example, just we don't have to go into it too much, but a huge reason why there's so much more support for the Palestinian movement is because of social media. Yeah, definitely. People see people in Gaza as people now, not as statistics or uh, just through the lens of Hamas or uh, whatever. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. I think it depends on how you do it. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it is it is accurate to say that to a significant extent, the ultimate outcome of these conflicts are determined in large part due to public sympathy, right? Like that's going to be probably true of however things ultimately shake out in Gaza. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's certainly been true of the conflict in Ukraine, right? Like the degree to which weapons keep flowing to that country is going to be heavily based on the degree to which um, sympathy for that cause remains among U.S. taxpayers and taxpayers in other countries that are sending them those weapons. That's going to have an impact on the presidential election, maybe. Um, I mean, that is the other thing, right? That like uh, everyone who is engaging with this stuff via social media, um, there's a tendency to get caught up in a bubble in terms of just thinking about how much this is on the mind of like American voters. Maybe it'll be different this election, but generally... Like, again, my, my feelings on this are kind of muddled, but like very, very often, no matter how big a deal a story is, uh, you know, online and stuff, American voters rarely vote based on foreign policy concerns. Yeah, it tends to be elections. I want to say... Uh, I'm not saying that's what matters morally. No, I'm just talking no, no. about yeah, like... You're totally correct. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially in terms of your ability to influence something. It doesn't matter how much yeah. you care if other people don't at an election time. I want to maybe finish up. Uh, I have just knocked over a bottle of isopropyl alcohols. So my office is rapidly becoming. Uh, <laughs> the just like gassed yourself. <laughs> yourself. Yeah. That's why I went to turn on the fan and open the door. Um, uh, good times. So uh, <laughs> I, maybe I want to finish up before I evacuate by saying <laughs> that that it's something you can do. And like, it's to give your time and money. I know that doesn't feel as good as like, you know, trying to do amateur OSINT on uh, yeah. Reddit, but it, it, you can help actually like and you can make a meaningful difference with a few bucks and i know i sound like an npr advert now but like uh the rojava information center has some good resources and like they they have uh i'm not going to read them out because it's quite complicated like it's a, it's bank transfer information but if you feel helpless you are not like you can do a lot with a little you can raise money you can help to organize donations right that like this these things make a difference. If, if someone who doesn't have water now gets a pallet of bottled water, that makes a difference. If someone gets a, a heater for their home, that makes a difference. If Even if it's someone whose kid has died, right? Like making their life a little less painful in a physical sense, right? Like helping them be warm at night, that does make a difference. And you can do that. Uh, and if, if you want to make a difference, I would really encourage you to do whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be here, right? It's happened like there's a uh, like there's an ethnic cleansing happening in Azerbaijan. There is an ethnic cleansing happening in Gaza, uh, right? Like these are places where like you can show meaningful solidarity and support with a little bit of a donation or a fundraiser. It's happening at our fucking border, right? Like someone died at our border since our last recording. Someone else got run over uh, by some chud in a truck. Um, but like you can make a difference in a meaningful way with actions. Uh, and it's really easy to get sucked into like just posting into the void and feeling helpless, but like there are helpful things you can do. Um, yeah. Would... yeah no, and, and, and you don't have to just, you don't have to be like rich or have a lot of disposable income to do this. There's a lot of like traditionally um, anarchist communities have put on benefit shows to run, to fundraise from an entire community um so that's not just you trying to you know you know put like your few pennies aside uh there is there's ways there's ways to do this that just involve you actually like 
getting involved with your like local culture um and mm-hmm. a part of that is like it's not politics as fandom it is metapolitics it's where you actually put your politics into your into your actual everyday life and it yes. influences the friends you have the communities you have um so whether that's you know a, a whole bunch of trans musicians doing a benefit show to to get donations to send over to rojava or send over to gaza or you know there's a, a, a lot of other sorts of things that that is a way of actually having part of your politics be not just like consumption have not it's it's not just like twitter accounts with flags in your avatar uh it's actually like living your life in a way that matches yeah. the things that you believe and i think that that like so having spoken to people in rojava in the yepige and the yepige and these other organizations like one of the things that makes them distinct from other militaries is that they are building the world they want to see while they're fighting against the thing that's killing it right like that's destroying it uh like a lot of times we'll see leftist militaries not exactly uh doing the equality that leftism is about one hopes so like you can participate in that as garrison said right by doing the mutual aid by doing the benefit show by doing the fundraiser like you are making a world in which this shit will happen less when you do things to stop it happening or to ease the pain of it happening now. So, uh, and you're building communities, right? And strong communities are more resilient to the shit. Uh, yeah. And like it, things are getting pretty bleak and we're only going to get through them by helping each other. Uh, and so building a network that continue, like if I think about how much better the mutual aid response has been this time to what's happened at the border compared to what it was in May, that's because people built networks that didn't go away. And it, it was good in May in part because we built networks that, that help to make being unhoused in San Diego feel, be survivable, right? And like those networks are resilient and they're, uh, they're flexible, but they're, and it, they help us like mentally process all the horrible shit and also physically help people. So yeah, you, you have that within your means too, right? You have a signal on your telephone, like you, you can organize things. Uh, you don't have to feel helpless. But I feel dizzy uh, due to the isopropyl alcohol <laughs> that I have spilled. So maybe that's a so, wonderful time to end the uh, podcast. All right, everyone. James is going to hallucinate uh, in his office. And uh, yeah. you, I hope, mm-hmm. are going to hallucinate wherever you happen to be right now. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Hallucinate yeah. a better world. Yeah. Hallucinate oh, a better world. It might be the only way to live through one. What a, what yeah. a wonderful podcast to Garrison Davis is, everyone. Hi, it's me, James. Uh, you, you thought I died, uh, but I have not. I survived the isopropyl alcohol fumes. Uh, I wouldn't advise doing that to yourself. Very unpleasant. But I'm back just to update you. We recorded that last week, um, and I am recording this the day before this goes out. So I'm recording this on the afternoon of Monday, the 23rd of October. I just wanted to update everyone. As Robert mentioned in the show, uh, the... The, the weakening of the, the Asayish, right, and the, the fact that people are not able to be out and about because of these drone strikes, combined with the events in Israel and Palestine in the last couple of weeks, have resulted in a significant uptick in violence in the area. So um, I just wanted to update you on that, especially as I've seen a decent amount of misinformation, which will be shocking to many of you on Twitter.com. So there have been a series of rocket and UAV, UAV uh, unmanned aerial vehicle, right, drones, uh, drone attacks on US bases across the north of Iraq and across uh, Syria. So some of those happened at Al Tant, which is further south. Some of them happened at Al Hasaka. Uh, some of them 
also happen to oil pipelines. And I would be very wary of, of people posting pictures of big fires and claiming that there are attacks at the US bases. Uh, every time I've seen that, it's actually been an attack at an oil pipeline. And either the person doesn't know that that's not a US base or, or they are willfully being misleading to try and get more clicks. People get paid on Twitter for engagement now. So um, I'm, quite, I'm quite cynical about people's reasons for doing that. But there definitely have been attacks, but they have not resulted in much loss of life. One contractor, I believe, did lose their lives uh, due to a cardiac incident that happened when they were sheltering from a what turned out to be a false alarm of a drone attack. Um, but no one has been directly killed by those drone munitions. There have been a number of people killed in increasing conflict in the area. Uh, both one person was killed in, in Kamishlo, uh, very, very close to where I stayed, actually. You can probably see it from my hotel room uh, in, in a car bomb, which is not a normal thing to happen in the middle of that city, a, a car bomb going off. So that's obviously caused for concern for some people. Um, in Deir Azur, SDF and coalition forces have conducted a number of operations against ISIS sleeper cells who are still there, um, arrested, detained a number of suspected ISIS members. Uh, they've also been fighting against Iranian-backed militias across the Euphrates. Uh, we've also seen uh, fighting between the Peshmerga, so that those are the military forces of the uh, Kurdistan regional government in that area of Iraq, and the Iraqi army. Uh, around the Makmur refugee camp, which is a refugee camp for Kurdish people uh, who had fled from Turkey. And of course, we've seen a lot of uh, threats, a lot of even fighting inside Iran, uh, but it, it's generally been Iranian-backed militias attacking US bases so far across that whole area. Um, so I just wanted to update you on those things. Obviously, we'll keep updating you on them and also to just suggest once again that people verify the sources of information because I have seen, especially about this area where I think literacy is very low among the general US population, some outrageous claims being made by people who either don't know what they're talking about or are willfully misleading people. So I wanted to counsel people to be uh, concerned about that. We don't have exact, I don't have exact numbers of the numbers of drone attacks. I'm looking at a Pentagon press conference that happened 39 minutes ago and then they're not giving them out there. Uh, so I have asked them for comment on a couple of things that didn't email me back. Very sad, ghosting me. But yeah, that, that's the latest information on that. I wanted to make sure that we had the latest update for you. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 
Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 